You're listening to The Souvenir Shop, a podcast about random objects from the past. Number six, the portrait. It's probably a little too big for the wall where it hangs, the one facing you as you start to go downstairs. It is a portrait in oils of me at 20, with a mop of dark brown hair and brooding eyes. The sitter doesn't realise how beautiful he is, but then, at 20, how many of us ever do? On seeing it, a friend once described the portrait as Dorian Gray in reverse. Harsh, but fair. In the world of politics, the name Arthur Bottomley is one that does not readily come to mind. These days, I would wager that even the Andrew Mars and Kirsty Walks of today would struggle to place the Labour MP who once sat in Harold Wilson's cabinet. Arthur's route to power was a fairly common one back in the day. A steadfast and slightly right-wing trade union organiser who worked his way through the ranks to be rewarded with a Labour candidacy, having proven himself a loyal and safe pair of hands, regardless of who was in charge. He was elected to represent Chatham in the Attlee landslide of 1945, where he was a popular MP until his constituents decided, in 1959, they had never had it so good and he lost his seat, only to gain another in Middlesbrough in a 1962 by-election. Wilson made him Commonwealth Secretary two years later, then a cabinet post, and he sat in the Commons for another 21 years before being kicked upstairs to the Lords as Baron Bottomley of Middlesbrough. And after hearing all this about Arthur Bottomley, you would be justified in asking, why are you telling me this? Well, in 1980, the Burgers of Middlesbrough decided that since Arthur had now been their MP for 18 years, it was high time they commissioned an official portrait in oils for the town hall. I imagine the conversation went something like this. We can't find a local artist of sufficient skill and calibre to capture your likeness, Arthur. Do you know anyone down in that London who's up to the job? It so happens I do, said Arthur. And she lives three doors away from me in Woodford Green, Essex. As a result, I spent part of my Easter vacation that year serving tea and biscuits to the Right Honourable Arthur Bottomley MP as he sat for my mother. I was a bit of a political anorak back then, and I used his time as artistic hostage to pump him for information. I asked him about Wilson and Attlee. Both good friends, he said. About Pandit Nehru. Another good friend. About Dame Sybil Thorndike. Yet another. I asked him if George Brown was really such a terrible drunk, and what was it like to negotiate with Ian Smith in Rhodesia? And this was where I hit problems. There's that old saying which goes, If you can't think of anything nice to say, then don't say it. Obviously, this is sterling advice we should all give our children, but taken to extremes, it kills the art of table talk stone dead. I spent days hoping to hear dirt on his political opponents, maybe something even Private Eye considered too hot to print, but it wasn't happening. Edward Heath, a fine yachtsman, could easily have been a professional conductor. 
Margaret Thatcher. Incredible attention to detail. Enoch Powell? A brilliant mind. He once translated Homer from the original Greek into Coptic, you know. But Arthur, you were chairman of the Race Relations Board. Yes, and he never gave me any trouble. Always the gentleman. Many politicians rise through the ranks by guile, by deceit, by constructing an image that tells the public, I am flawed, but I am one of you. It is now common knowledge that Harold Wilson drank beer and smoked a pipe in public, but far preferred cigars and brandy at home. More recently, if anyone still believes Boris Johnson's affable klutz persona, I have a garden bridge over the Thames for sale at a bargain price. But it appears Arthur Bottomley rose to the giddy heights of high ministerial office by simply being nice. Following his death in 1995, the obituaries characterised him as such, but also guileless and naive, his ministerial career crashing after Wilson sent him off to negotiate with Ian Smith in Rhodesia. Arthur achieved nothing and reported back to Parliament that Smith only wanted what's best for the Rhodesian people, or more accurately, as some on his own side pointed out, for white Rhodesian people. So we might conclude that niceness is important but useless unless tempered with the worldly qualities essential for government ministers confronting apartheid, or for that matter, for raconteurs. But back to the portrait. Arthur's ordeal of having to sit while the artist's firebrand son pumped him for gossip came to an end and normal life resumed. A parliamentary lackey collected the painting a week later and delivered it to Middlesbrough to be framed and hung, as Arthur was immediately off on some or other overseas jolly. Before that, however, there was the matter of the left hand. My mother was pleased with the finished product as only a true artist can ever be. In other words, not at all. In particular, she called the likeness of his left hand a bunch of bananas and needed my assistance in correcting it. Come on, she said. I'll have it done in 15 minutes. It's not as if you're going anywhere. I positioned myself in Arthur's chair with as much of the grace and presence of a political grandee as I could muster while my mother corrected the offending appendage. As a result, the portrait of Arthur Bottomley MP hanging in Middlesbrough Town Hall has the left hand of a 20-year-old drama student. While you're here and everything's set up, I may as well paint you too. I've been meaning to for years. How many days is this going to take? I protested. A couple of hours at most, said Mum. We can listen to the afternoon play while I do it. True to her word, two hours later she was finished. The speed with which she dashed off the painting of me, in contrast to the days spent on Arthur, is no doubt explained by the fact that I was her youngest son. It's likely that, artistic or not, every mother already carries an idealised portrait of her children in their head. Mum dismissed the result as a sketch, not worthy of framing or display. Over three decades later, my wife Anita found it covered in grime in the garden shed while we were clearing out my parents' house, and insisted otherwise. It has grown on me over the years, but I still think Mum could have spent more time on the hand. Thank you.
That was The Portrait, written and read by Matthew Diamond. If you enjoyed this podcast, then don't forget to hit like and subscribe on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. I'll see you next time.